Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things I really appreciate about the scriptures is their honesty. The people in these pages aren't superheroes. They're just like us. They fail and sin. They get confused. They are slow to learn. They mourn. They get all tied up in knots. Think of all the people you know in the Bible who don't get it. And sin and fail and oftentimes spectacularly. And not minor figures either. The main guys. So it was with those two disciples as they left Jerusalem after the Passover, a Passover unlike any other, and made their way back to the village of Emmaus. They were not celebrating Jesus' victory. They didn't have it all figured out. They were not paragons of great faith. They were sad and dejected, just as we would have been, just as we often are. And we see the mercy of Jesus, mercy that he showed all through his life, that he showed especially on the cross, but which he continues to show here to these two disciples. Just two Which is the way of it with Jesus, isn't it? He talks with Nicodemus by himself. Talks to the Samaritan woman by the well by herself. Searches and seeks out the man that he healed that was born blind by himself. Jesus doesn't care about the big crowds like when he fed the 5,000. When even two or three are gathered. So Jesus comes to these two. He doesn't expect them to figure it out on their own. They can't. We can't. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. We confess that in the creed according to the catechism. We need to be taught. We need to be straightened out. This is really the problem that we're born with. In the beginning, God created everything good and perfect and straight. But sin, sin has twisted us up in knots. Satan cannot create anything. Only God can do that. But he can twist and pervert what God has created good and straight And he has. And so in the first reading from the book of Acts today, we heard Peter say to the people in Jerusalem 50 days after Jesus came to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Peter said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And crooked is a good word. 
a word that really describes every generation. It's what sin has done to us. It has bent us, curved us, curved us in on ourselves. So it's no longer God first, but me first. It's no longer my neighbor first, but me first. Think about it. What is our world today all about? What I want. What I think. What I feel. What I need. What makes me happy. What I deserve. What I have coming. What's good for me. Perhaps you also see that in yourself. So what does Jesus do with these two men? He straightens them out. Note what they said. How they were curved in on themselves and so confused and jumbled and tied up in knots. When Jesus asked them, it's what we thought. It's what we had hoped. But what they thought and hoped was wrong. Just as what we think is often wrong. So Jesus straightens them out, bends them back out, and directs them away from themselves. Away from what they thought and hoped to the truth. He points them to God's word, to the scriptures, the Old Testament, and what was said there. For there is their foundation. There is the truth. Not what's in them. Not what's in their hearts. And so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And their hearts were burning. And their eyes are opening. They're believing in a new way. They're seeing in a new way. They are being straightened out. Until finally, it all comes together at the table. All their catechesis finally clicks. And they see Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And then they stop going the wrong way. Back to Emmaus. Back in sorrow, sadness, and mourning. And they turn around and start going the right way. Back to Jerusalem. Back to the other disciples. Back in gladness. And joy. No longer tied up in knots of confusion and guilt and dashed hopes, but straightened out and set free in forgiveness and faith. Focused on Jesus, not on themselves. Focused on what He has done, not on what they do. Focused on life, no longer on death. It's the same thing Peter did 50 days later on the day of Pentecost when he preached to the crowds in Jerusalem that day. Peter, who himself needed straightening out a time or two and was by Jesus. It's really a shame we didn't hear those 22 verses in Acts that were skipped over in our reading today. We will hear them when we ourselves get to Pentecost. 
But in those verses, Peter is really doing what Jesus did here. And using the Old Testament to straighten the people out. And point them away from themselves. And to Jesus. To Jesus once crucified, dead and buried. But now risen from the dead. So when the people ask them, what shall we do? Notice what Peter doesn't do. He doesn't point them to themselves. He doesn't point them to their heart. He doesn't point them to the sincerity of their belief. He points them outside of themselves. He points them to the word, the promises, the forgiveness, the life, the salvation that is in Jesus. To look inside themselves, to look inside yourself, there's only confusion and doubts and those twisted up knots and crookedness. But in the word is the foundation. In the word is the truth. So he tells them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is your foundation. There is your truth. Because there is Jesus for you. And that day as we heard about 3,000 stopped going the wrong way. Their own way. Their own crooked and twisted and sinful way. And they were turned to the right way. The straight way. The way of gladness, joy and hope. In Jesus. And so it is for you and me today. For you and me who go the wrong way. Who get all twisted up in knots sometimes. Who get often confused and dismayed and sin and fail. And sometimes spectacularly. And who are curved in on ourselves. You and me who need straightening out. Who need to hear It's not all about you. What you want, what you think, what you feel, what you need, what you want to be true, what makes you happy, what you think you deserve, what you think you have coming, what you think is good for you. That's not what life is all about. That's... Kind of blasphemous to speak in our world today. But it needs to be said. So that we begin to think differently. Rightly. Biblically. Which is really as big a change in thinking as the Copernican revolution was in the 16th century. And what was that? Maybe some of you remember learning about Copernicus in school. Before his time, it was thought that the earth was the center of the universe. And everything revolved around, well, us. But then Copernicus changed that thinking to the sun being the center and everything revolving around it. And it's that kind of change in thinking we need. That everything doesn't revolve around me. That it's not all about what I want and think. 
Everything really revolves around the Son. The Son of God. He is the source of life and all that is needed for life. My life now and my life eternally. So we come here every week. After another week of going the wrong way, of being confused, of being crooked and tied up in knots, and we're not pointed to what we can do or should do or have to do because what we can do and what we do do is the problem. Instead, we're pointed to Jesus and what he has done for us. His death and his resurrection for us and his forgiveness for you for your sins and your crookedness, his washing for you to wash away those sins, his teaching, putting you on that foundation and truth, and his feeding to give you the strength you need. And with all these things, he is straightening us back out. He unties the knots we have twisted ourselves into and cannot undo. And he sets us on that firm and reliable foundation of the truth of his word. That we be no longer like those disciples. And like so many in our world today, in sorrow, sadness, and mourning. But that we be in joy and gladness in being his children and living in his victory. So, like the people Peter preached to in Jerusalem that day, We are pointed to baptism as the source of our life and hope. Because how do you know you have life and hope? Not because of anything in me. (laughs) Because I am baptized. Because Jesus has made me his own. There I have his word and promise. And like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we see and receive Jesus in the breaking of the bread. He gives himself to me here, and with him comes his forgiveness, his life, and his salvation. How do I know? Again, not because of anything in me. Not because I deserve it or I'm worthy, because I'm not. But because Jesus put his word and promise here with his body and blood. And then, like the people in Jerusalem who heard Peter's preaching, and like those two disciples who heard Jesus' teaching, we hear that same word here today. We're not left to figure it out on our own. We can't. So Jesus, in his mercy, gives us churches and pastors and preaching and teaching to give us that foundation and that we know the truth that constantly points us away from ourselves. Because we're constantly wanting to point to ourselves. We're constantly being pulled inward. But the word points us out. Away from ourselves to Jesus. To Jesus promised. To Jesus incarnate. To Jesus the fulfiller. And to Jesus the victorious one. Which is to say, Jesus for you. And then like those two disciples, we go back. We go back out 
not as superheroes or super believers, but just regular people. But regular people who have been with Jesus, who have been given Jesus, and so different to live like it, to act like it, to speak like it, and to love like it. Like we've been reoriented, straightened out, unknotted, able to see rightly again, because we have. That it's not all about me. It's all about Jesus for me. And that's better. A lot better. And finally, how much is Jesus for you? Peter used a word today. Maybe you remember hearing it. Ransom. A ransom is a payment that is made to buy someone back. And the more important and valuable and precious they are, the higher the ransom, right? So this is what Peter said. You, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, from the self-centered, curved in upon ourselves, sin we inherited. You were ransomed from all that, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that's not enough, but with the precious blood of Christ. You see, you are so important, so valuable, so precious to God, that the very life and blood of Jesus were given as the ransom for you. Which makes you more valuable and precious than you can ever imagine. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants you. That's how much God is willing to give for you. That's what those two disciples on the road to Emmaus needed to learn. That Jesus' death on the cross was no out-of-control tragedy, but exactly according to plan, according to Moses and all the prophets, to give them life. For that's how this story ended, not with death, but with life. Not with burial, but with resurrection. And that's our foundation. That's our hope. Nothing in us. Everything. What Jesus has done for us. That's our foundation. That Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So that no matter what is happening in the world or in your life. You need not walk in sorrow. You know the truth. Jesus is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.